0: The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. If you'll remain standing and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. God's law comes to us through the mediation of the one who has kept the law for us, died for our sins but who calls us by his grace to be obedient to the law. So let's listen carefully. Just four verses, the first four verses of Ephesians chapter 6. This is page 979. If you're using the Pew Bible, let's listen very carefully to this, the public reading of God's word. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the lord amen this father reading of god's word let's pray together father uh, as we hear again your word this evening, please make us to be those sheep who hear the voice and who follow that of the good shepherd, O oh, Lord God, grant that laying hold of your word, your precious promises, that we might uh, receive the good commandments which are unto us a path of life uh, of life, help us to walk in that eternal life which Jesus alone can give to us. Father, help us to go from this place this evening, eager and empowered to live that life, which is ours in him, Christ Jesus, our blessed Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Jesus loves the little children, doesn't he? There's a truth that we ought to get right, how true that is. Remember how, uh, that was so evident from our Lord, in our Lord's earthly ministry, how he wasn't happy with his disciples when they failed to get that truth, when they acted in a way that was contrary to that truth. And by the way, speaking of children, I will speak to the different Greek words that are translated in children in the New Testament. The one in the Gospels is different from uh, what we see in our text this evening. But I think this point is still worth making. Remember when the, the people, they were bringing their children to Jesus, hoping that he would touch them and bless them, and how the disciples weren't happy about that. They were, they were rebuking the, the people for doing so. Well, Mark chapter 10, verse 14, tells us that Jesus was indignant with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Jesus welcomed them. He said, to such belongs the kingdom of God. He said, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And recall how he took the children and received him, and received them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Uh, children, Jesus loves you. Jesus has welcomed you into his Kingdom, And we see in our passage this, this evening that in his great love for you, through his inspired apostle, he's given you a very special command with a special promise attached to that command. And he's given a, a special promise to your fathers and mothers uh, with respect to how they are to re- uh, conduct themselves with you, how they are to raise you. Note, note that this is very important. Note that, that 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 Paul addresses the children specifically. Interesting, what happens here? He addresses the children, uh, then he cites the fifth commandment: honor your father and your mother. And then he also immediately addresses the fathers. We we can understand why our our catechism rightly teaches us that the fifth commandment uh, is not only about the duties of children to their parents; it's also about the duties of parents. To their children, and of course it extends beyond that, as we saw to the the different relations between uh, superiors to inferiors, those over others in authority, and those under their authority, as well as those who are are uh, equal, as those who belong to the Lord Jesus, of course, we are all God's beloved. Children and the Lord calls all of us to love Him by obeying Him, by fulfilling His duty with respect to the various roles that He's given us. This is a section in which we're focused particularly on the Christian household. Remember last time we uh, considered the the relation between the husband and wife. Well, this evening we consider the parent-child relationship. And I think we can summarize our, the, the message of our text this evening simply this way. This is our message that under Christ's lordship, children and parents are bound to obey the fifth commandment. I have three points this evening. We'll consider first the duties of children to their parents. Secondly, we'll consider the duties of parents to their children. And then lastly, we'll focus on that special promise. And so we're going to go out of order a bit from what we see it in the text, but I want us to end on the promise. So let's start then with the children. Children, are you listening, children? The Lord speaks directly to you this evening. Speaking of those Greek words for children, some of you older youth might be wondering, well, who exactly does Paul mean when he uses that word children? What are the, you know, the age boundaries here? As I mentioned, the word in our text is different from that used in the gospels where the people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to touch them. That was the word paideon. And that word generally, that that word refers to children anywhere from infancy all the way up until age seven. And so those being brought to Jesus were probably infants or at least very, very young children. The word in our text this evening is "techna," the plural for "technon," which means child, but this can refer to a child from infancy all the way up to adolescence. So not just the really little children, you teenagers, right? You need to listen up as well this evening indeed our duty as as children to honor our father and mother honor our parents of course that extends even into adulthood i think we do well to remember this evening that in my mind the most beautiful moment of perfect obedience to the fifth commandment was that rendered by our Lord in his adulthood, even when he was there hanging on the cross. We read about that in John chapter 19. You might remember there he was, and there was the apostle John, and there was his mother, and he wonderfully made provision for his mother. He said, "'Woman, behold your son.'" and he said to john behold your mother and we learn that from that very hour john took mary to to his home to be with her and so uh, we, we have a duty to to honor our father and mother even as adults but the fifth commandment obedience in view in our text this morning this evening is that obedience during the time when children are being raised up so from infancy as they're raised up unto adulthood. And of course, we know that Jesus also obeyed the commandment perfectly even in his youth. We read about that in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. He was submissive to his parents. And children, you are called to follow the example of Jesus in this way as Jesus commands you through his apostle. Children, obey your parents now now is, is is Paul thinking of of all of the children of all of the world we know of course that the moral law has application to to all peoples everywhere it's binding on on all but we I think we do well to remember that this was a letter written particularly to the church this is this is part of the reason why we view our children the way we do as we were reminded this morning with the covenant uh, in infant baptism There's a good reason, by the way, why it is that both Pastor Holst and I like often to speak directly to the children. It's good that we speak to you, thinking of children, how blessed you are to be those who have Christian parents and be in Christian households, members of Christ's church. This is a good reminder that you are not just any children, that you are covenant children. You are those under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You are included uh, as members of God's people. You are baptized members of Christ's church. That's true, even if you've not yet professed your faith. And that's why it's so good for us to speak directly to you and and to to seek to speak God's word in a way that's simple and clear such that you would understand well. Paul spoke to the children. Very simple words, didn't he? And by the way, this is quite remarkable that he did so. This is a point made by one commentator, Dr. Baugh. He talks about how radical this was by the standards of Paul's day. Children were not directly addressed in writings in the ancient world, the great moralists in antiquity. They did write essays on uh, child rearing, but they, would n- they were always addressed to the fathers. Children were never directly addressed. And I, I Add to that, and this is sort of a debated point, but probably I'll simply uh, side with, with Dr. Baugh. I think it makes sense that not only was he addressing the children, but not just the boys, but uh, or not just the, the male adolescents, but the girls as well the gals dear young sisters th- th- this is this is huge children youth boys and girls all of you you are included you are privileged god has welcomed you into his kingdom as this this letter was read as the church was gathered think about this the sacred Assembly to think that there the children were a present and they were addressed. Perhaps something that would have been unthinkable in that world, the Greco-Roman world. Perhaps the you know the emperor would never have spoken directly to children, little children, or even youth, but children. To think that that the God, that the Lord, who is the the King of the Universe, the the, the everlasting King of Glory, He is your covenant. Lord, and he speaks to you. He speaks to you directly. And you have a duty to listen. You're so privileged to be gathered right here alongside your parents, equal with them, and that you are together members of Christ's church. And as we think, as a matter of fact, think about what we're doing right now, worshiping the Lord together. I mean, this is the the primary way in which we enjoy the blessing of fellowship with God, the primary blessing that we enjoy as those who are included in God's covenant. But apart from that, the primary way, children, the primary way in which you are to obey the, the Lord, the primary way in which you are to live under the covenant lordship of Christ is simply obey your parents, obey your mom and dad note uh, in the in the, the the passage this morning we see that you are you're ba- you're called to obey them not only for their sake most importantly you are called to obey them for his sake for the sake of the Lord think about those words in verse 1 obey your parents in the Lord those words in the Lord go together with the word obey you're not just to obey, you're to obey in the Lord. This really reminds us, it reminds us not only of why we are to obey, but it does speak to that, as does the words in the very next, uh, uh the next part of the verse. For this is right, right? Why should you obey? Because it's right that you obey. These are your parents. God has given them to you, you are to obey them in the Lord. And part of what it means when it says obey them in the Lord is obey them as unto the Lord. In obeying them, you are obeying the Lord. What an important, important commandment. The, the parallel verse in Paul's letter to the, the Colossians, chapter three, verse 20, it, it puts it this way. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. But you know, those words in the Lord, they speak not only to the why you ought to obey, but but how you are able to obey. I, I don't think I have to tell you children this evening that it's not always easy to obey, is it? And you know, sometimes your parents give you a command, go and I want you to go. I want you to clean your room right now. Why is it that sometimes you feel a, an imp- a desire to do just the opposite, right? The, the, the fact of the matter is that that like all of us, you children, you are sinners with sinful hearts, apart from the grace of Christ, you have wills, you have desires that are against God, that are against or that are that are really bent on resisting his will. You are sinners who need a savior. That's why you should be so thankful that you have a Savior in the Lord Jesus, one who obeyed perfectly for you, one who died at the cross to pay for your sins if you trust in Him. And if you are trusting Him, you can know that it's absolutely true, and you can also know that it's true that the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is living inside you. You can Obey your parents in the Lord because you are in the Lord. You belong to Jesus. You are one with Jesus and he's the one who by his spirit helps you to obey. He helps you to obey him by submitting to the will of your parents, submitting to him by submitting to your parents, obey them, submit to them. There's so much, that we can say about this, but one very important way or one very important thing to say about this is that he calls you to do so even though your parents are not perfect. They're flawed. You know, part of the duty to honor your father and mother is you're called to honor them even though they don't always act perfectly honorably. I think we see this in the, uh, we, we, we cited the Westminster Shorter Catechism for our affirmation of faith. But the, the Heidelberg Catechism and its treatment of this commandment, question 104, it asks the question, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And the answer is this. That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. I want to return to those, those words under our second point, but listen to how this ends. It says, and listen to this, and also that I be patient with their failings. For by their hand, God wills to rule us. You hear that, children? At times your parents will fail, won't they? And God commands you to be patient with their failings and know that even though they sometimes make mistakes and fail, God wills nonetheless to rule you by their hand. As we move to our, our second point this evening, it's very important that you children continue listening because the most important way you can submit to them is to look to them to do the very thing that God calls them to do for you. And that, that, that's, that brings us to our, our second point this evening. Secondly, we consider the duties of parents to children. Again, we're skipping over verse three. We'll come back back to that in order to end on the promise but as we jump down to verse 4, we see that Paul addresses the fathers, that that, that word fathers can, uh, can speak generally to both fathers and mothers, uh, but there is, it is a different word from the one used for parents in verse 1. And I do think that Paul is, intentionally focusing particularly on the fathers, since they are the heads of the home. But certainly, this is instruction that would apply to to mothers as well. Obviously, the mothers were right there listening to these words. Indeed, as I said, the children also should continue listening to these words. Indeed, all of these words are for all of God's people, even if you're not Married, even if you're not a father or mother, even if you are uh, single this evening, we all have a duty to listen and to learn, uh, to learn from this, to apply it to our lives in the way it applies to us. It might involve, you know, learning faithfully to pray for families in the church or learning how we will be, you will be one day called to conduct yourself. Should the Lord bless you with children of your own, even if you don't have them now. But listen to what Paul writes, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Think on those words. Fathers, yes, and mothers. To, to stop and think about the fact that your children are commanded to obey you. What what great responsibility that puts on you. That really makes them vulnerable uh, under your care, to think that, that in commanding them to obey you, Christ is entrusting into your care his precious little ones. You have a duty to care for them well. And so what Paul's saying here is that you're, you're not to rule over them in a harsh or domineering way that can do great damage, that can cause significant hurt to a child. It can, it can provoke them to anger, we do well to think about, you know the consequences of our conduct. You deal with your children harshly, deal with your children in anger, and you are tempting them unto anger. Make a habit of, of dealing with them that way, and over time it can leave them embittered, embittered towards you and even embittered towards the Lord. Embittered or certainly discouraged. The parallel command in Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Are you quick to become angry with your children? Are you constantly criticizing them? Are Are you rebuking them in a way that is excessive, tearing them down without ever building them up? If, if you're dealing with your children that way, that you you, uh, you you run the risk of of leaving them discouraged or even angry, and when you do that, you're obviously undermining your ability to do the very important work that God is calling you to do. Back to our text, not only do we see that that negative command not to provoke children to anger, but we see the positive command: don't provoke them to anger. Bring them up, bring them up in the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That word discipline can simply uh, mean training or education. It certainly can mean correction. And that's obviously an important part of the duty to train children. But I think more generally, this, this is a, a training in, in Christian living, Christian training. That second word, instruction, can also involve correction. It can be translated reproof or admonition. So, verbal correction. So, the command here then is to train your children in the obedience of the faith. Just stop and think about that. What an awesome responsibility this is. Fathers, Fathers and mothers, you are called then to conduct yourself, not only conduct yourselves in ways that, that model the gospel, that are consistent with the gospel, but this is a call specifically to teach your children the gospel. Teach them the gospel and teach them gospel living godliness. This involves no doubt, uh, Paul's thinking of instruction in a way that the children will understand the very very commands that Paul has already given in chapters 4 and chapter 5 as we've considered them. But no doubt it's also intended to call to mind the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, the moral law. Uh, Clearly, well, Paul cites that in our text, the fifth commandment. As I said, the law comes to us through the mediation of Christ, we have, have come to share in the covenants of promise. And therefore, as, as God's covenant people, we, we give ourselves to that covenant instruction, like we read about in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four and following that, that great text, which is sometimes referred to as the Shema from the Hebrew word here, Shema, here, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God called his people to to love him with their everything. Love him heart and soul and might. And one of the ways God's people were called to love him was by loving their children. They weren't simply to see children as you know workers in the field, another set of hands to go out and get the, the 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 work done. Right? No, they were to see themselves as those entrusted to them. They were to invest in them. They were to give to their children. They were commit. They were to commit their children to the Lord by faithfully instructing them in the ways of the Lord. Covenantal instruction teaching them the commandments diligently at all times. Remember that the command was to, to uh, talk of them, talk of the commandments, talk of the ways of the Lord as you sit in your house and even as you're out walking by the way. Talk about them when you lie down and when you rise at all times. And of course, they were to be very careful to to set the commandments in the context of grace, redemption, redemption. The expectation was that a son would would ask why. What are the what's the meaning of all of these rules and all of these commandments? We read in Deuteronomy chapter uh, six, verses twenty and twenty one, that that the the, the the father was to answer that question by by teaching them about redemption. We were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord came and performed great wonders, and He delivered us out of Egypt, and He brought us to the land which He promised to our fathers. That is why we obey him, all because of grace. And if Old Covenant fathers had a duty in this regard, how much more do we fathers have a duty as children of the New Covenant? We must train our children in the ways of the Lord. Teach them the gospel. Teach them the obedience of faith. And children, that's why you must be eager to listen how do you the primary way you're apart from the, of course the preaching of the word, but you're learning discipleship from Jesus is by learning to obey your parents obedience to your fathers and your mothers it's 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 much more than simply you know obeying a command here and there, take out the trash okay there i I obeyed right you now this really is is how you look to your parents, expecting to receive good instruction from them in the ways of the Lord. As I read earlier, the Heidelberg Catechism said that, that, I, that I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. I think those words are, are, are uh, particularly important with respect to how children look to their parents. And so you're, you're saying, I want to think well of my parents. I, I look to them expecting to receive good things from them. Good discipline. I will seek to respond well to discipline, even correction as I receive it. Good discipline and instruction. How is it, children, that you, you know that God calls you to think well of your parents and think well of the, the discipline and the instruction that comes from them? Well, ultimately you're not to see it as coming from them. It's the, the, the discipline and instruction of the Lord, as it says in verse four. It comes, it's, it's good discipline, good instruction, because it comes from a God who is good, and he's the one who has appointed them to bring you that instruction, that discipline and instruction, and because he's made a special promise in connection with this commandment. This is our last point for consideration this evening, the special promise given with this commandment. So Paul reminds us that this this fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that interesting? The first commandment with the promise, he cites the promise in verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What a beautiful promise, how it speaks to the goodness of God, his good design, his purpose, and bringing his people out of Egypt. There's that that Old Testament context, right? He would bring them to where they would live in the land of Canaan. And his good purpose was, even his good purpose in giving them the commandments, giving them the law was that they would, they would, uh They would keep the commandments god 's desire was that it would be a they would live under his blessing, walking in obedience, so that it would go well with them there, so that they would dwell long in the land. The fact that they sinned against them and had to be driven into exile was in no part because of any fault on god 's part; God was perfectly good. And you know, in that sense, of course, we can say that that special promise really pertains not just to the fifth commandment, but to all of the commandments of God. But it does show just how important the fifth commandment is that the Lord chose to attach that promise to this particular commandment. As our we affirmed in our affirmation of faith, the shorter Catechism it tells us that uh, that God gave this as a reason annexed to the fifth commandment. Part of the reason that I wanted to make this the last point, not a middle point, is because in that sense, it pertains not only to the duties of the children, but also to the, 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 the duties of the parents in instructing their children. But it is interesting, again, that here the Spirit-inspired apostle gives this commandment right after Paul has directed the children Specifically, so I was thinking about this thought. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we should think of it this way. You know, they're they're still young. The children still have their whole lives ahead of them. To them, it's still you know, it's largely a future prospect. The thought that of living long in the land, a long and prosperous life. And here Paul is reminding them that 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 God's law is good. As you think about your life, think about living it in obedience to the commandments, obeying God's commandments, because God's commandments are good. And when you obey those good commandments, it's going to have a good effect on your life. Things will go well for you. Does that, you know, guarantee a long and prosperous life, children? Is Is God promising you that if you obey mom and dad, that means you're going to live really, really long to be a hundred years old and that you're going to, you know, be really, really rich. Is that what this is about? You'll own lots of land and so forth. I included that a catechism question because it rightly reminds us that this is a, a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and our own good. We know, of course, that for for many faithful servants of Christ. God has has not purposed that they'll live to be a hundred. He's even purposed for some of the faithful servants of Christ that they would die a martyr's death, die young for the sake of their faithfulness to Christ. And of course, we would say this evening, children, if that's what the Lord has for you, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's a good thing. That's a blessing. That's the, that's a, that's the means for by which God has giving you the very best good and the means by which he's chosen to glorify himself. And you can be sure that whether you live, you die young or die old, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, that you will indeed live long in the land, enjoying the riches that God gives you, all of his goodness, his provision forever and ever and ever. We do well, I think, to remember that you know Canaan, long life in the in the land of Canaan. Well, that was that was a type that was pointing forward to eternal life and that inheritance, that mountain land above that God has promised for His people. We where we will indeed live forever and ever. Indeed, the, the most blessed part of life is knowing God and living in fellowship. With him, and that's something that we enjoy even now, and that's something we enjoy, enjoy per- particularly as we walk in obedience, as we know communion with him by meditating upon and, and, and obeying the commandments of God. And so, I think it's helpful uh, to, to remember that to to see our obedience, uh, commandment keeping, in that that grace oriented context. We do well to remember that our inheritance, our salvation is a gift given to us by grace, received through faith alone. What an important thing to remember. Perhaps that's something that uh that you find yourself needing to hear again this evening. I think that's a uh, another really important message, a good note on which to end as we come to the conclusion of another year i can 't help as I was thinking about this these these good commandments and thinking even about my own life uh, about how maybe when we hear these commandments, some of you perhaps you're you're beyond the years of raising your children perhaps they're they 're already grown up perhaps they're they're out of the home on their own, and perhaps they're all wonderfully. Walking with the Lord and, and, and God is using you, your faithfulness and good parenting and wonderful ways to do great things in the lives of your children. And if so, praise God for that. We desire that. We, we pray for that. We're not to be proud of that. We're to give the glory to God because it's all by His grace when that happens. But this is not to say, you know, that, 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 that God is promising that if we just do everything right, that it will somehow guarantee that all of our children will be faithful believers. I, I don't believe it's right or biblical for us to uh, assume that if a covenant child wanders uh, from, from the faith, that that's necessarily because of the fault, some sin on the part of the parent. And I do suspect that for many of us, as we, as we hear these words, these, these commandments, it's hard for us not to, to think about, think about maybe the, some of the mistakes we've made in our lives. Focus, focus on maybe things that we've done wrong. And if that's you this evening, I would encourage you by reminding you that this is a gospel of grace. God doesn't want us to, you know, live our lives beating ourselves up for past mistakes. Blaming ourselves for any instance where maybe a child a child has 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 walked down a wrong path, surely we ought to confess our sins. Surely we ought to hate our sins. We think of the the, the call this morning to profess faith, is to abhor your sin, abhor yourself insofar as you've sinned against the Lord. We 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 loathe ourselves for past sins committed. Ezekiel thirty six verse thirty one. Paul was ashamed of his sin and. I suppose we ought to be as well, Romans 6, verse 21. But God does not want us to live our lives in that shame. God wants us to, to trust his promises, to, to trust his grace, his promise that as we have confessed our sins, he has been faithful, he has been just, he, is, he has forgiven our sins and washed us of all unrighteousness. And the reason I thought it would be good this evening to really focus in on the promise of God is not primarily to think of it in terms of if we would just do things right, oh, how things will go so well for us. I think more important than that, we ought to remind ourselves this evening that that our inheritance, our good inheritance, uh, to uh, our eternal life, in that land, which God has promised us forever and ever. That's not something we've earned for ourselves. It's not because of our obedience. It's because of the obedience of Christ for us, long life in the land, which he has prepared for us. Think on that. Think deeply on that as we conclude the year. Twenty twenty three. God doesn't want us to be, you know, paralyzed with guilt over our past failures. God wants us to look to the future, and He wants us to press on in hope. We can't change the past. What we can do is hear His gospel of grace and hear His commandments and purpose by His grace in the various ways that, that that we're able right now to go forth and seek to walk in obedience to him. What does that mean for uh, you know, covenant children maybe who've wandered? Well, it means that as we're able, let's go to them and seek to reclaim them and claim them. As we're able to continue praying for them, let's continue praying for them. But let us never lose hope. Let us go forth and purpose new obedience in hope. In that hope, indeed, let's walk in obedience by God's grace to the fifth commandment and all of his commandments because his commandments are good because they come from him who is a good God. And it is right that we obey them by his grace. May God give us grace to do so in the new year. Let's pray together.